Well, greetings, brethren. Welcome to the Feast of Tabernacles 2010. I'm Roger Bardot, and I serve the brethren in the Phoenix, uh, Tucson, Prescott, uh, Santa Fe, and Albuquerque congregations in the Southwest. It's a pleasure to be with you here today and a privilege. And brethren, we're here to observe the wonderful Feast of Tabernacles. And whether you're watching this on DVD or at home on one of the uh, or at uh, one of the festival sites, uh, I bid you shalom. Shalom is a little word with so much meaning uh, that we've heard so much about and think we understand. You know, on the way here to do this taping, I went through a number of experiences, brethren, where we could, uh, you know, say it was difficult to have shalom or peace. Sometimes it's difficult in today's society to really be at peace, really be at peace inside when the whole world is crashing around us in every which way. So many people say that shalom only means farewell or hello or goodbye, and yet it means so much more. It conveys a number of ideas, brethren, that are just incredible. Shalom conveys a eternal message, as we're going to see in just a moment. Yet simple peace alone, brethren, is not the entire meaning. So let's discover today shalom and its meaning to the Feast of Tabernacles. Today's world is full of lacking of understanding. It does not have shalom. Look around, brethren. See what is in this world and understand this world does not know the way to peace. Yet peace will come soon throughout all of this world. As you see with the background behind me, there's Jerusalem. Someday, brethren, Jerusalem will see peace. Yet today it does not. Today our nation does not see peace. Today we are divided in so many ways, brethren, and yet it's at the heart of these very days that we're observing right now at the Feast of Tabernacles. One Hebrew scholar recently said, Mr. David Silver, and let me quote him, he stated that even though we don't have much in the way of peace in Israel, we use the word shalom on a daily basis. Here they say shalom, Shalom, shalom. And nobody knows what this word really means, brethren. How sad to use it and not understand. It brings to mind the verse in Isaiah 59 and verse 8. Isaiah 59 and verse 8. The way of peace or shalom they know not. Why, brethren? Let's see what the scripture says. Notice what it says. And there is no judgment in their goings. Notice that. No judgment, brethren, in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whoever goes therein shall not know peace, shall not know shalom. How sad. And yet at the same time, brethren, we have to understand why. The answers to that question are very clear. Notice verse 9. Verse 9 says, therefore is judgment far from us. As we're going to see, it's the very judgment, it's the very justice that allows for a proper understanding of shalom. Notice what it says, is far from us, neither does justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity for brightness. But we walk in darkness. That's the key, brethren. 
walking in darkness. You see, this whole world could understand the way to peace if they walked in a, in a different way. Yet, in verse 10, it answers the question. Let's notice. We grope for the wall behind, uh, we grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. Notice that. Isn't that incredible? They grope around in the darkness. And they think, brethren, all this world, that they have found the way to shalom. You can compare this over in Isaiah 5 and verse 1, where God planted a vineyard. He planted a vineyard in Isaiah 5 and verse 1. We won't read that, but he planted a vineyard, brethren. And in that vineyard, he was so disappointed because he, he did everything he possibly could to give the tools to build peace to build a true understanding of prosperity, of shalom. And yet, Israel rejected their God. Israel, over the years, and even today, Israel is rejecting their God. Israel, as Dr. Meredith has said so many times, has rejected their God. And not just the nation of Israel, our peoples in the United States, Western Europe, and in Great Britain, <clears throat> Australia, New Zealand, all around the world, in Canada, Israel is rejecting their God because the key is obedience. Obedience to God's ways, his government, produces shalom. This world does not want to obey the Ten Commandments. Even the religious society has said the Ten Commandments have been done away. Shalom comes from the root word, though. Let's understand the deeper meaning here. It comes from the root word shalom, S-H. A-L-O-M, meaning to be complete, to be full, and to be perfect. The only way to be perfect, brethren, is with a perfect understanding of God's laws and to really grow in that way. That's why we are growing in the church of God. We are growing in that understanding and in that obedience to his full, complete law. That's why all of us are moving towards that in our lives, spiritually, brethren, perfection as God completes his plan to birth sons and daughters into his family. The very reflection of what these days are all about. As Jesus Christ returned, as we saw on the Festival of Trumpets, he returns with, uh, to uh, take charge of his kingdom on this earth and to build it with converted individuals those who have been converted over to not groping into darkness, but to standing in light. Shalom is also related to a group of words from this root. Let's take a couple of for instances here. In modern Hebrew, the related word shalem, S-H-E-L-E-M, means to pay for. And S-H-U-L-A-M, another derivative, means to be fully paid. Shar, or, uh, or I should say, Sar, S-A-R, Shalom, S-H-A-L-O-M, means Prince of Peace, is the very descriptive term of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who will none other be the one to come to this earth to build Shalom. We see this word in Isaiah 9 and verse 6. Notice this, Isaiah 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government, notice that, the government 
of the kingdom of God, brethren, not the government of this world. The government, his government, shall be upon his shoulder. He will take charge, brethren, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's right, the Prince of Shalom. According to Thayer's lexicon, we see shalom described as completeness. How many of us have said sometimes this is not complete? We're not complete. We don't feel complete inside. We don't feel sound inside or soundness. We don't feel at times that uh, everyone is seeking the welfare of others because this world is not seeking the welfare of others. You know, yesterday traveling in was a difficult experience to travel into this taping. And it was hard to really be at peace in shalom. And yet, at the same time, brethren, that's what we're doing in society today. God is testing us in every situation so that we can build shalom, build peace, build a completeness in our life, a soundness. People have asked, why do I go through trials? Well, the reason we go through trials, brethren, is so that we understand that we must build shalom in every situation in our lives. We must seek the welfare of others and, of course, simply be at peace inside. This cannot come unless we are in a a lacking contact with our Creator, brethren. We must have contact with our Creator. Shalom can also mean safety, health. Prosperity. Isn't that wonderful, brethren? Prosperity. Total prosperity in the world tomorrow. It will be incredible. Rod King recently gave a sermon a while back, and uh, it, it described how the valleys will, will all come up and the mountains will go down. That's building shalom for the entire world. That's seeking the welfare, brethren, of others, and, of course, peace for all. It also means quiet tranquility. Shalom can mean being quiet, just being quiet, being contented. It can even mean friendship. Shalom can be applied to human relationships with God and especially in our covenant relationship with him. Sometimes we don't really talk about that, brethren, but we have made a promise and a covenant with our God that is supposed to be so strong, brethren, and yet at times is it that strong? Are we connected? Do we leave the house and and not even pray? Sometimes, brethren, we've got to just take time out and have that quiet, that peace with our God to reaffirm that covenant with him. It can even mean peace from war. Wouldn't it be wonderful to pick up the paper and say there is not one conflict in this world at all? And yet all around this world, there's conflict in every part of society. Now, we could become depressed or discouraged because of that. But see, shalom builds that connection with our God. If we really, really want that connection, we can have it. Now, let's go back to Isaiah 9 for a moment. Now, notice verse 7. Of the increase in Isaiah 9, verse 7, of his government, that is rule or dominion, that's what government means, and peace. Notice that, government and peace 
Shalom, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, notice that, brethren, to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Oh, that's an exciting day that's coming, brethren. Oh, we should just be jumping up and down with joy because of it. Uh, You know, it's hard on this medium, and I'm talking to you through this television medium, to really convey that. But get excited about it. Go to your God and say, Father in heaven, bring shalom, bring the peace to this earth. Really, really bring that to this earth. Let's read it in our Bible in basic English. This is the Bible of of basic English and see how clear it is. Notice this. Of the increase of his rule and of peace, there, there will be no end. Notice that. There will be no end of the increase of his rule and of peace. Shalom will go on forever and ever and ever. It's eternal. Eternal shalom. On the seat of David, as it goes on to say, in his kingdom, to make it strong, supporting it with wise decisions. Wise decisions. Our government today is anything but making wise decisions. As we follow a a terrible path, brethren, of deficit spending, where there is so many multiple tens of thousands of dollars now for every single individual in the United States And in Canada, and in Great Britain, and in Europe, brethren, every one of this in the the entire world, for that matter, is deficit spending, thinking they can buy their way to shalom, to prosperity, to completeness, to soundness. It's insane, brethren. It's insane. And yet, all of this is being guided by Satan the devil, because he hates shalom. He really hates it. Notice this as it finishes in the Bible of basic English. By the fixed purpose, I love that term, by the fixed purpose of the Lord of armies, this will be done. Let's look at some of the words in verse 7. Notice, in verse 7 it says that to order it. Clearly that means to be firm, to be stable, to be firmly established, brethren, to be secure, to be fixed, to be securely determined. Wow, secure, secure. That's all we see today is insecurity, brethren. And then the last um, item that I have listed down here, uh, I have a couple of uh, items here to be settled, established, and so on, but the, but the last one is so important to be restored. That's right. He's going to put the government of God back on track. That's so, that's that's total shalom. The government of God will be. It never really was off track, but I mean on track here on this earth, as Satan the devil has taken it off track. As human beings in Genesis three have gone off track, he will bring it back on track. Yes, the government of God will be restored to this earth, and shalom will come to pass. A government of peace and order, fairness and justice. Brethren, let's really understand that when he says to establish it, he's going to sustain it. He's going to stay it, make it stay. He's going to strengthen it, comfort it, support it. 
It's going to be of the heart. Isn't that wonderful? And in judgment, brethren, as we look at that word in verse 7, that's judgment, justice. That means the act of deciding a case. Let's just imagine, brethren, in court or in any situation that all we had was truth. If truth had to just prevail everywhere, you know, truth sets us free. And if truth would prevail, brethren, everywhere, in any type of process or procedure, in any type of litigation, in any type of cause, you know, we hear about all the causes, in any type of situation, sentence, decision, or at any moment, it can mean all of that. And then to have justice total, complete righteousness in every single action, brethren. Can you imagine what would happen? Just that alone would change everything. And that's all part of shalom, all part of the peace, the love. And as I said earlier, forever in that verse means for a long duration. I love that term. That's an understatement, isn't it, brethren? For antiquity. Forever and ever, everlasting, evermore, perpetual, always, continuous existence, everlasting, indefinite, or unending future for shalom. It all fits together. In essence, when we understand and live shalom, live peace, the true peace, and even that English word does not convey the full meaning of that Hebrew word. We are not only proclaiming peace as this work is doing, it's going out and proclaiming that Jesus Christ will return to this earth. He will bring shalom. He will come back. That repentance today, brethren, could bring that shalom to individuals if they do repent. It can come a little early in each of our lives, even though the world is crashing down around us, as I said earlier. Shalom can come. You see, living that life makes all the difference. There's so many words that come from shalom. I don't really have time to go into each one of those. You can do a word study on it. But in general, the meaning behind the root word of shalom, S-H-A-L-O-M, is of completion and fulfillment, of entering into a state of wholeness. Let me repeat that, of entering into a state of wholeness, as Thayer says, and unity and a restored relationship with God and each other. The theological workbook of the Old Testament confirms this meaning a restored relationship with God and each other. There are a number of interesting concepts here. Let's look at this. For instance, again, going back to Shalem, S-H-E-L-E-M, notice, it can mean a payment of a vow in Psalm 50, verse 14. You can look that up. That means that both individuals have a win-win situation. You may have heard that term in business, that Each individual wins, the person that paid their vow and the person that they made the vow with. Each individual, brethren, gains from that situation. Current understanding, notice this, even in modern Hebrew, current understanding of the meaning of shalom follows three main lines of thought that 
the symbolization of a gift of peace, the blessings of wholeness, prosperity, and lastly, the status of being at peace with God. Beautiful. All of these things, the same words just restated from what we were just saying. This involves more than forgiveness of sins because in order for us to be at one with our God, that is at peace with our God, we have to repent of our sins. We have to change, brethren. We have to begin obeying the Ten Commandments. God help all of us to see that, especially during these days. You might say, well, Mr. Bardot, that uh, uh, really applies to a time in, uh, you know, that we, we just observed at the Passover time. And it's true. Each one of God's holy days is part of that plan. But you see, brethren, uh, will we repent during the Passover and then have a miserable Feast of Tabernacles because everything isn't working out. Our transportation didn't work out. Our our hotel didn't work out the way we thought. Or or maybe we had to stay at home and, and uh, it, 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 it isn't the same. But, you know, I remember a widow lady years ago. She couldn't attend because she was so sick and she couldn't understand why she couldn't attend the Feast of Tabernacles. And yet she got the videotapes and she went ahead and uh, at that time videotapes that shows how long ago that was. Uh, but today would be the CDs or the DVDs. And she went through each of the sermons, studied them and applied them. And then she came back with with renewed enthusiasm in the following year she was able to attend. And she learned a valuable lesson, brethren, by really concentrating and really focusing on the meaning of these days and being at peace with the situation that she was faced with. Each of us, brethren, needs to be at peace with the situations that we face in our lives. This involves more, as I said, more than just the forgiveness of sins, in that the fullness of life, prosperity, and peace with men that is expected as a result of shalom, or of the shalom status. Are we at odds with someone in our family right now at the feast? What about our brethren living next door to us in our, in our hotel room? Did they stay up too late last night and upset us? You know, brethren, each of us has an obligation. Each of us has an obligation to build shalom, to build bridges with each other. And you cannot do that, brethren, unless we are keeping the Ten Commandments. Notice what it says here, brethren, in, um, in Isaiah 60 and verse 20. Your sun shall no more go down, neither shall your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be yours everlasting light, and the days of your morning shall be ended. That is, at peace. The world will no longer mourn for what is happening to it. It'll be at peace. Isn't that wonderful, brethren? <clears throat> Here the word ended means to be in a covenant of peace, specifically to be at peace, peaceful, to make peace. That's what will happen. We will be sound, complete, finished as sons and daughters in the family of God and this world and this environment which cries out for peace, this creation that God created that is destroyed actually daily, waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed, brethren. 
There are so many more concepts that we could go into. Just a couple of statistics here for you. Notice that shalom occurs over 250 times in 213 separate verses. The King James Version translates 172 of these as peace. That's right. And it it was influential, notice this, in broadening the Greek word spelled E-I-R-O-N-O. E-I-R-O-N-O in the New Testament, of which Paul and Christ used and quoted from the Old Testament, brethren, in one case we will look at. And to include the ideas of growth and prosperity in addition to peace and to being complete, sound, and whole. So shalom, the Hebrew word, was so strong of a word in the Old Testament that it actually influenced the derivation of the language in the, in the Greek New Testament to be broadened with that word uh, to, to, uh, to complement and to include uh, the words um, to expand its meaning to growth and prosperity. Shalom means absence, absence of strife as well. In approximately 55 to 60 usages, you will see that it means no war, no strife, no conflict between individuals. Peace, in this case, means much more than the absence of war. Rather, the root meaning of the verb shalom, S-H-A-L-O-M, with a little uh, accent on the O, means uh, means better expressed, is better expressed, I should say, as the concept of shalom, which is completeness, wholeness, harmony, fulfillment, and these are all closer to the meaning. Implicit in shalom is the idea of unimpaired relationships, so says the theological workbook of the Old Testament. Unimpaired relationships with others and fulfillment in one's over uh, undertakings. So how would you like to be totally fulfilled in everything that you do? You see, shalom includes this, brethren. It really does. About 25 times in the Old Testament, shalom is used as a greeting or farewell, as we know. And you can see that in Judges 19 and verse 20, where somebody actually wishes them the blessing of shalom, the blessing of peace. And then as we go on, we also see to wish one shalom again implies that specific blessing where we, where it's outwardly stated or implied in 2 Samuel 15 and verse 27. Shalom will come to this earth, brethren. Shalom will be everywhere at some time in the future. There are many references in this regard, and we really just don't have the time to go into everything, but let's look at a few. As you see with the uh, drawing or the um, picture on the back behind me, notice what it says here. Tomorrow, you know, brethren, here we see tomorrow's world. Tomorrow's world will include Israel and Jerusalem at peace. Psalm 122 in verse 6 clearly says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's what we're praying for today, for tomorrow. They shall prosper that love you. You see, that's where God will set his headquarters government in Jerusalem. You know, some play at church, as Dr. Meredith has said. 
you know, some of us, brethren, really don't really seem to get it. We think just going to church services or accomplishing certain things is exactly the only part of our obligation of what we need to do. No, brethren, we need to be fully on fire in our prayers, in our Bible studies, fully aware of every single aspect in our lives to really become more and more aware, to watch how we interact and what we do. It's hard job. You know, we have a difficult day at work and we come home and we just you maybe don't want to be a part of, of anything. We just sit down and watch television, but we can't. We have to push ourselves a little bit harder, brethren. We really do. We really need to do that because notice what is coming in verse 7 here in Psalm 122, verse 6 and 7 now. Peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. Palaces in the world tomorrow, brethren. Peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. That could be an extent today. That could happen today. That is coming, though. Today, brethren, verse 8 applies to us. Notice, it is out of the Bible in basic English. Let's look at verse 8, out of the Bibles now of basic English. Because my brothers and friends, because of my, because of my brothers and friends, listen carefully, I will now say, let peace be to you. Yes, it's because this whole world, even the creation, the environment, the world, it's all groaning. It's waiting for the birth of the sons and daughters who will bring or help the very creator, the one who was the spokesman in the past, Jesus Christ, under the direction of the Father, to bring shalom to this earth. It's because of you. And me and all of us, brethren, who are here doing this work, can we feel that? Can we believe that? Do we take that inside of us? Does it carry us through the times when we are sick or frustrated or hurt or angry or disgusted with today's world? You can read the newspaper. You can turn on CNN or Fox News or any one of them and become pretty disgusted with what you see. And, of course, they're selling newspapers, they're selling, you know, the the particular television program. And so, at times, you don't know who to believe. But you know that shalom will come in all shapes and sizes in the world tomorrow. There will be no more times when, brethren, tomorrow's world does not reflect an eternal shalom. In every action, every business dealing... You and I and all those who are come before us and will come after us and who have prayed and studied and hoped that peace would come to Jerusalem and to this earth. Yes, shalom will come, brethren. It really will. That's why Christ said that he was leaving his peace with us in John 14 and verse 27. Peace I leave with you in John 14 and verse 27. My peace... That is shalom. Remember, the Greek word here is, you know, in a sense, an extrapolation or a part of the shalom that we saw in the Old Testament. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled. 
And yet some of us, brethren, are troubled. We're hurt. We're angry. We're frustrated. We should not be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Neither let it be afraid. You see, all of us, brethren, should not be afraid. We should go forward with courage and confidence, knowing that God is guiding our steps. Remember that the Greek word is similar here to the Hebrew. So whenever we quote a particular scripture in the New Testament, it's correlated and connected with the old in Shalom. We see this again, not just from the passage we discussed previously, but we see this in Romans 3 and verse 17, where Paul quotes the same passage of scripture from Isaiah 59 and verse 8, where we began. In Romans 3 and verse 17, it says, And the way of peace they have not known, the way of shalom. They have not known the very same scripture from the old. But peace, world restoration, prosperity, and total reconciliation in every aspect of life is coming. What a wonderful time that's going to be. Each one of us, brethren, should be so excited So thrilled that we have a part in this, that God has called us as a part of this work to really, really bring peace to tomorrow's world, in tomorrow's world. Isaiah 55 and verse 12, Isaiah 55 and verse 12, For you shall go out with joy and be led out with Shalom, with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Oh, isn't that just wonderful, brethren? It's beautiful. It's a beautiful time. The time when the deserts shall bloom. It's a time when all of those things that are in this world will be gone, brethren, and the real wonderful creation of God will be able to sing and clap its hands. God promises peace if we obey him. Tomorrow, brethren, if we obey, and, you know, today, if we were to obey, notice it says in Leviticus 26 and verse 3, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, and then dropping down in verse 6, I will give peace in the land. We could have shalom today, but there's the key, isn't it? Notice Notice carefully in this chapter here in Leviticus 26. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them. He goes on and says in verse 4, I'll give you rain. The land will give its increase. And your threshing shall reach into the vintage. And the vintage shall reach into the sowing time and so on. And then the key here. And I will give you shalom if we obey. What's happening today? What's happening today? But if you will not hearken to me, in verse 14, in the same chapter, notice, and will not do these commandments, I will even appoint over you, in verse 16, terror. And we have seen that. We have seen that. I always say to those in New Mexico and Arizona, check, did you lock your door today? Did you lock your home? Did you check to see if everything was safe when you left? You see, likely you did. And as a result, you may even have your door locked right now if you're viewing this at home. 
You see, the reality is, brethren, we are not secure and safe. We are, of course, with God, and God will take care of us, so we need not be afraid. But at the same time, we do take those physical precautions. And the reason we do is because of the society we're living in, because everybody is not obeying God's Ten Commandments. They are not really building shalom in their lives, and they don't care about peace because they're walking in darkness. And notice in verse 19 of the same chapter of Leviticus 26, it's very clear, brethren, and I will break the pride of your power. Yes, that is happening right now. The pride of the power of the United States is going down so quickly. It's almost shocking. Remember it said in one place they will gasp. They will almost like they will gasp that it it went down so quickly. Whether we will see that happen in the next year or two or three or four, I don't know, brethren, maybe longer. It, you know, God doesn't really say to us, but he does help us see the signs of the times that we are living in. All because of sin and the failure of man and especially our peoples to obey God and seek shalom, seek peace, seek the true at oneness with God the completeness, the wholeness. Notice again in Isaiah 52 and verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains, and this is in Isaiah 52 and verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings, that publishes peace. And yes, brethren, we not only publish peace on this medium here and on television in this beautiful new studio that we have here and how wonderful it is and how much of a privilege it is for our work to have this competent studio with competent individuals running it. And it really is exciting, brethren, to see what God has blessed the work of God with to get this message out, the message that we must repent That is the only way that shalom can come to this earth. The only way, brethren, is through repentance individually and then collectively when God comes back to this earth, when Jesus Christ is sent back to this earth by the Father to take charge and bring shalom. Notice it says, as it goes on here in Isaiah 52, and says to Zion, your God reigns. That's right. Jesus Christ will be back on this earth, but not as one who will be crucified, because that all occurred already, brethren, but as one who will take charge and bring his government to pass. The government of God, the family of God. The watchman shall lift up the voice. Who is the watchman? We are the watchmen, brethren, with a voice together and shall sing For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. That's right. And we're here as a precursor to that wonderful time at these Feast of Tabernacles. Brethren, let's really work hard to do this work, to finish the job. In Isaiah 54 and verse 13, we see, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from you, neither shall the covenant of my peace, shalom, be removed, says the Lord, which has mercy on you. And all your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the shalom of your people. 
Oh, how exciting. What a wonderful time. But today, people are seduced by false things. A false shalom. A false peace. Ezekiel 13.10 says, But because even because they have seduced my people, saying, Peace. So you're going to hear a mixed message. You're going to hear people on television say, We can build peace. You're going to read in the paper where man can build peace. Man has had 6,000 years, brethren, and he has not been able to bring shalom. And there was no peace. Notice that in Ezekiel 13 and verse 10. And one built up a wall and lo, others dabbed it with untempered mortar. That's the problem. They have the wrong glue, the wrong mortar to put it together. Isaiah 33 and verse 7. Isaiah 33 and verse 7. Behold, their valiant ones shall cry without. The ambassadors of peace, or shalom, shall weep bitterly. Recently I saw one of the ambassadors on television just shaking his head. It's amazing, brethren. Shalom was so far from these individuals it it was so so um, disappointing to see that individuals would not humble themselves, repent, and simply say, we want to really be at peace, because in fact they don't. They want a piece of this and a piece of that. That's the problem, brethren. They don't want the true shalom, the true peace. Psalm 122 and verse 6 says to pray for peace, as we know. Pray means to ask, inquire, Borrow, beg, even beg God for this peace. God's favor to bring shalom, peace, tranquility, and total unimpaired relationships with individuals. I want to emphasize that again. Are your relationships in your family, your friends, at work, shalom? Are they at peace? You know, how many of us here are peacemakers that we actually go out and make peace? That is so difficult, brethren. Now, that's not that we are to be a doormat. Mr. Armstrong clearly said that years ago. But we are to try to attempt to make peace. But the good news is in Haggai 2 and verse 9, Haggai 2 and verse 9, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give shalom. In this place I will give shalom, peace, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts, brethren, will make it happen. Nahum 1 and verse 5, notice our job here. Behold upon the mountains of the feet of him that bring good tidings, that publishes peace. Beautiful again, in Nahum 1 and verse 15. Nahum 1 and verse 15. O Judah, keep your solemn feast. Perform your vows. Has Judah done that? No. Has Israel done that? No. You know, brethren, that's the shame. That's the shame of all of this. To the shame of all of those who have come before, who have really worked so hard to really, really obey God. It's because of the obedience of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, brethren, that we have the blessings in this country today. It's not through Yankee ingenuity that I hear all the time. For the wicked shall no more pass through you. They will be utterly cut off. 
So the wicked will be gone. Those who wanted to bring peace in a different way will be gone. As we cry aloud and spare not, we also bring the good news of tomorrow's world, brethren, when all of this world's nonsense and depravity will be gone and peace, real shalom, will come. Christ will come to show us the way to peace. He will literally show us where clearly we don't have to be afraid even today. We can tap into it. Notice in Luke 1 and verse 76. Luke 1 and verse 76, where clearly Christ came to guide our feet into the way of shalom, peace. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways and give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness. Notice that, brethren, right where we started. They sit in darkness today, and it's up to us to show the light. Now, sometimes people don't want to stand in the light. They, oh, get that light out of my eyes. But we've got to show that light. We've got to go to this world. We've got to preach this gospel, brethren. And we've got to give light to those who sit in darkness. Notice that. They're sitting right in the darkness. That's their comfort zone and the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. That's right, shalom. Again, remember the Greek word here. The word used here came from and had some of its basis and meaning in the word shalom. Amazing, brethren. Philippians 1 and verse 2. Grace be to you and peace from our God, from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he wishes us. He wishes us peace. Philippians 4 and verse 7. And the peace of God which passes all understanding... Notice that. It passes all understanding. And then he goes on and says, whatever is true, whatever is honest, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is in darkness. No, it is not, brethren, darkness that brings it. Notice, whatever is true, honest, just, pure, things that are lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, brethren, the, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and see in me do. And the God of shalom, the God of peace shall be with you. So you see, there's the key right there. There's the key. Obedience to God's commandments as it's expanded in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 by Christ himself, brethren, Whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. How many people wait to hear the bad report? What about the good report? You see, brethren, if there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. I don't think there's more a, a more beautiful passage that really reflects shalom than this one. And finally, brethren... That brings us to where shalom might come from. You know, there's an old story. Some, sometimes we think that we're not building bridges, we're not making peace, 
We just don't know how God will work something out. In James 3 and verse 18, it says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. You know, we must be about the business of making peace. We've already uh, commented on Matthew 5 and verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Notice, shall be. You know, we are in the process of becoming saved, brethren. But it reminded me of the story of the Christian lady and the atheist. And there was one day, brethren, a Christian lady who lived next door to an atheist. And every day when the the lady prayed, the atheist could hear her and thought to himself, she's a crazy lady praying all the time. Doesn't she know there isn't a God? There's no reason to pray for the virtue and the honesty and the love and for shalom. Many times while she was praying, he would go to her house and harass her. How many of us at times, brethren, have been even harassed by people in this world? Saying, lady, why do you pray all the time? Don't you know there is no God? But she kept on praying. One day she ran out of groceries. As usual, she was praying to God and thanking him for what he was going to do. Notice that. How many of us go to God and say, bring shalom, bring peace, bring prosperity, bring all of the things that we need. Bring us health and happiness. Give us those things that we desperately need, brethren, in our lives. So as usual, the atheist heard her and thought to himself, I'll fix this lady. So he went to the store bought a whole bunch of groceries, took them to her house, dropped them off on the front porch, rang the doorbell, and then hid in the bushes. When she opened the door and saw the groceries and began to praise the Lord with all her heart, the atheist was astounded. She was jumping and praising, and he says, he jumped out of the bushes. He said, you crazy old lady. He said, God didn't buy those groceries. I did. And all of a sudden, at that point, she broke out in singing, and she ran down the street, and she shouted and praised God. And when he finally caught up with her running down the street, he said, what is wrong with you, lady? Don't you know God didn't provide? You know, what is wrong? I provided those groceries, and she knew that God would provide for me, but she said to him, I didn't know that the atheist would be made to provide for me. Don't you see, brethren, even from the most unlikely places, (laughs) you, you might receive shalom. If you pray, and no doubt she was praying for him, and God moved him, to literally be the vehicle through which she received peace in that aspect of her life when she was out of groceries. You just don't know what will happen when you really build shalom. You see her statement, I knew God would provide for me, but I didn't know he was going to make an atheist provide them for me. Says it all, brethren, in our lives And it proves one thing. We just never know how God is going to use individuals in this world that we come in contact with to help build shalom individually with us. And, of course, 
there is the caveat, brethren, that God does say in Romans 12 and verse 18. It says, if it be possible, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. That's right. Another derivation of these words in both Greek and Hebrew, meaning shalom. As much as is within us, brethren, live at peace. And that is eternal. It's growing. It's changing. Where now we might be able to live at peace with someone, whereas years ago we might not be able to. So today, brethren, we do need to live in shalom with everyone. As I said earlier, some people play at church. But true Christians get involved and make a difference. Dr. Meredith is right. We need to get involved. We need to really focus. We need to support those presenters on the television program and pray for them. And pray that shalom comes over the work of God in an even bigger way. There is so much peace and harmony here at headquarters and it is wonderful to see that. But we need more. Because it's a growing thing. It's eternal. It'll go on forever. So I'm going to leave you with two last points here. We must be about the business of promoting, inspiring, and praying for totally unimpaired relationships in our families, at work, at church, and with even atheist brethren. Whoever it may be that's causing us a problem, as much as is within us, Try to be at peace with those individuals. I realize in some cases it may not be possible, but continue to pray for it anyway, brethren. Whatever the situation, God can turn things around. He really can. And secondly, we must also set high standards now in our lives, seeking complete, whole, and harmonious shalom actions in anything we do. That is a big job, brethren. But with God's help, we can build shalom in every aspect of our lives, even when this world is going totally contrary to the direction of God. So in conclusion, I now leave you with a beautiful statement in Numbers. Numbers 6 and verse 27 through, uh, excuse me, 24 through 27. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Brethren, my dear friends, at this Feast of Tabernacles, I bid you shalom.